0: perspective our youths are caught in the middle of these two sides of the insecurity argument on the one side they are the ones that function as thugs, as area boys as uh hoodlums as the kidnappers because at 50 something 60 something I don't think anybody's kidnapping anybody at that age It's still people in Nigeria would define youth as people between 15 and 45. Even though the United Nations defines youth as 15 to 35 because Nigeria has this delayed developmental stages for people growing up around there. Ours is extended by 10 years, so Nigerian youths are between 15 and 45 and these are the group of people that are caught in the middle of being the thugs the area boys or moniles and the rest this is what they are condemned to be in life in their minds also on the other side on the other side of the argument they are the ones who cannot get uh collateral i mean loans from the bank to start off any good initiatives and so some of them feel like uh they are caught between the devil and the Is it a deep red seed that they call it? So now they decide to just, okay, let me go, whichever way it takes me. And some youths don't mind. They say, even if it's one year they can live for, they want to get rich by all means. As a religious head, as my mentor, inclusive me, and that you have mentored so many people, what do you have to say to these youths? and also to the leaders uh, to prompt a change of mind that can lead us to a place of development in Nigeria. Pastor Mika.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Uzoma. Thank you, uh, Professor Nana. Um, I wish I announced that um, you are Professor Nana and um, the world is your stage Mm -hmm. and God has given you a mandate to your generation God has put his word in your mouth. God has put his fire in your bones. And I know that our generation is getting to a state where that which God has put on the inside of your spirit will be called for. And there shall be blessings all over to the glory of God. Amen. 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 Thank you for having me on this program today. This is about the second time I'm coming on. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Today, I don't want to sound politically correct we're not going to talk about anything politically political correctness we want to look at the facts and figures on the table i want to look at a dispassionate kind of approach looking at it without any bias or any leaning towards anybody we just want to lean on the path of truth let me say that again we want to lean on the path of truth the bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You. And I want to believe that as many youth as are watching right now, I want you to know that as you listen to this program today, the truth that shall be dished out today will bring about the liberty and the deliverance that you desire that will help you to enter into that world you have always wanted to find yourself. So how? what word do you have that you ask me for the youth? Number one, I want to begin by saying Nobody has the power to kill your dream. Mm. Nobody, no society, no government, no institution has the power to kill your dream until you agree with them. Mm. Your dream, your lifestyle, that which you want to become within the confinement of what is normal in a society cannot be extinguished unless you comply with them. That is one thing I want to say to our youth, first and foremost, hold on to your dreams. As long as the genuine dream, it is something that is within the legal framework of the country, of the society in which you find yourself. Hold on to your dream. The society should not be a vehicle that will stifle or destroy your dreams. So I want to speak to all youth today. Number one, the Bible says Jesus grew. In the midst of obstacles and challenges and situations, Bob says he grew in stature, he grew in wisdom, he grew in knowledge. In other words, in the midst of the challenges that is going on at this point in time, I want to encourage our youth, continue to develop yourself, continue to grow, continue to advance yourself. Got a, you have opportunity to get an education, please go for it. you, want, you have opportunity to learn a trade, Go free. Don't say because there's insecurity in the country, so let me fold my hands and wait until eventually when all these things are over. By the time the insecurity situation is resolved, you discover that you'll be left behind, and others will have you know assume very, very juicy positions, and you'll be left just you know to nothing at the end of the day. So hold on to your dream and educate yourself. I think that Nana will say, professor. I say more about it. educate, educate yourself, improve yourself go to school, learn a trade. And then number two, refuse to be used as an agent of destruction. Refuse to compromise. Some people go into all kinds of forward ideals. They're into the college in Nigeria. People uh, advance free, free fraud where people say all kinds of things do all kinds of things over the internet, and then they make some fast money to the detriment of other people. They hurt people by making fast money. We want you to, as much as possible, don't get your fingers dirty. Don't get your hands dirty by getting involved in such things. Look for something clean to do. And number three, don't allow anybody to use you, like I said, as an instrument of destruction. Like Dr. Chris just said now, that a number of the people, of the people who are involved in this kidnapping are between the ages of 15 and 45 in Nigeria. So they are the people who will go and do that, and they have people who are sponsoring them. So refuse to be sponsored, refuse to be used as a political talk, refuse to be used as a kidnapper, refuse to be used as a terrorist. As you refuse these things, you are also telling the people who are behind it, the sponsors of all these atrocities in Nigeria, that Look, we are not available. And if they don't find anybody to use, tell me how the insecurity will continue. So Mm -hmm. everyone needs to um, kind of discover that it's our country. Let's build it together. Let's not be part and parcel of those who wants to destroy the nation. So finally, finally, because I know there's still much to be said. Finally, the little amount of money they are going to give you to kidnap somebody or to kill somebody, to destroy a political opponent is nothing compared to what you can actually get by yourself if you invest in yourself. If you work with your own hands, use your own native intelligence, and put that into practice. At the end of the day, what they offer you is peanut compared to what you can get if you invest yourself. If you invest your time, apply apply yourself to that which is noble at the end of the day, you will discover that it doesn't pay to be a political dog in the state of this insecurity that we have. And as we begin to take note of those things, you'll agree with me that insecurity will become a thing of the past in our country.
0: Thank you, sir. Uh, I uh, thank you, Pastor Mika. Thank you so much. As Pastor Mika was speaking, Dr. Nana, I recurrently uh, reflected on the subject of school curriculum. You are an educator. Would you say that the Nigerian school curriculum from uh, elementary to the colleges, high institutions, are well-suited to promote uh, that um Uh, trade, specialty, and the rest of those things that Pastor Mika alluded to in his talk uh, right now?
2: Thank you for the question. I think we are far left behind, far left behind when it comes to education uh, matters in Nigeria. I remember when I was in school, uh, in my primary school days, there used to be this hand knitting something from a level, I believe from level five or something like that. But right now, I'm sure none of those things are existing. And the curriculum, I cannot believe they are still using what we used when we were in school. So this is what we when we were talking last week with um, I don't know, one of those guests that we had talking about meritocracy. Mm-hmm if we have the we people in place if they can um, actually if they can uh if they can uh, employ people in the educational system in nigeria who actually have the merit who have the qualification to do the right thing then educational system will be good look everything that mostly happening in nigeria is the nepotism engineer uh, or nothing. nothing was talking about so if you have to give your brother or your sister or your cousin or your in-law in positions that they do not qualify for then we'll be left behind as it is right now in nigeria so we need to go back to the business people who are qualified should be the people who will get positions then the educational system will be okay. So right now, no, I, I cannot say it's in alignment in alignment with whatever is happening outside of Nigeria.
0: And so, Doctor uh, Pastor Meka, uh, you were you are an alumnus of uh, alumnus of uh, the University of Ibadan, the great university. I think it's still the number one in Africa. Uh, the last time I checked some ratings, uh, I would say this. I went to school, I graduated uh, the first degree as a mechanical engineer. Today, I'm a business professor. But what I'm trying to look into is, why is it that the Nigeria academic system is unable to emerge from that past? I remember when I was in school, we were mechanical engineering students, but the curriculum that we had to work with, was from the Galileo Galileo age ages of things that they did in the 1950s. Mm. And so as a mechanical engineering final year students, you could solve all the mathematics from uh, all the theorems that is available. In fact, the only thing that we did not do with our peers who were graduating as mathematics students is the, the, the um, research, is the thesis, say. every other course that they did, we did as an engineering student. What is the relevance of all this mathematics solving to a graduate? And what is the practicality in that kind of education that promotes theories, repeated theories, things that people have solved in those days? What is the practicality in that? How can the system change? You have a BSc. You live in the first world right now, and you know that even one of our guests was arguing that a ninth grade child here Mm -hmm. can look straight in the face of a doctor, uh, a Ph.D. and argue positions because they know the practicals. Why is it that Nigerian system cannot accommodate that cannot infuse that practical knowledge into the education system? Can you give your thoughts? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Um, Professor um, Chris Akazi.
1: I just give two points. The first one is the fact that the attention of government, and I say this with a lot of pain in my heart, the attention of government is not given adequately for good education. Look at our budget and see what we budget for education grossly inadequate and because this is not well funded that's why you have obsolete equipment obsolete methods of of teaching the people the students so when there's no money to upgrade to have the latest because Every institution, if I, as a human being, you need to upgrade yourself. You need to be innovative. You, you, you need to keep abreast of developments because almost like every month, every look at our phone that we use, almost every month new phones come and the one you had last year, you probably, probably will not work anymore in, because of advancements that are coming. So as a result of that, our equipment are not upgraded. And secondly, the lecturers are not well remunerated. For them to go on sabbatical, to get further training, to do all kinds of things they need to do in-house and all of that, organized amongst themselves, it's no longer there. And only a few people go at the end of the day, and before you know it, you discover that there's little or no no contributions on ground to increase authority, to improve the curriculum. Like you said, the curriculum that probably was used uh, some 20, 30 years ago is, well, some of them are still using it. My, my, my second son is, is, is an engineering student in, in one of the universities in Nigeria, and I know what he's going through. The equipment are so obsolete, they have to little, literally improvise, and that shouldn't be the case. Now, the second thing is that, or the third thing now is that a number of our students are not motivated. They are not. They want to go to school, unfortunately, some of them want to sleep around to get scores, to get marks. And, and, and so when the one you are teaching is not taking his academic seriously, he's into courtism,
2: is into all kinds of wild parties. Tell me how the
1: lecturers will be motivated in teaching them. So it all boils down to the government not playing its role, the lecturers not well being uh, illuminated, and so they go on strike. Sometime, I think it was last year, they went on strike for almost five months. So the students were home, you know, five months doing nothing. And at the end of the day, some of them get involved in all kinds of, their, you know, uh, vices. And, and when school resumes, they are not willing to study. They rather will want to pay their way through by way of some of them sleeping around, or I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using these expressions. So these are the things that happen. That's why our educational system is where it is today. I live in the first world, and I know what obtains here. Like you said, if somebody who is in this, maybe ninth grade is even much better than somebody who's, who's, who's a graduate or even a, a master's holder in Nigeria. It's very, very unfortunate, it's very sad. So with this little point of my believe that uh, the government needs to do something and the lecturers need to be well and a bit richer and and then the students need to rise up and
0: begin to face their education Amen. thank you very much pastor maker thank you Pastor Meka. now uh dr nana uh, pastor maker made the case it's the government it's the lecturers and it's the students today we are discussing about youths mm-hmm. on the part of the youths i will tell you a story my friend dr kes okundaye he told me a story about some university student that came to his uh, museum in Lagos mm-hmm. and they were interested, discussing with exchanging words with these people to find out their state of mind. One of the girls spoke to Dr. Okundai and said, she's not happy. Why is she not happy? She's schools, She is uh, an undergraduate student of ABU. And according to her, ABU will not allow them block teachers while some other of her colleagues that are friends from the south they have this ability to do that and be able to just pay off teachers go whatever the way they want to go and come back and get the grades mm. making the certificate you, worthless worthless mm. basically you understand so this uh, young girl was very much not happy about the way abu was operating as against what other universities are doing So what am I saying? You talked about meritocracy. You talked about uh, um, uh, how favoritism Mm -hmm. is the problem in Nigeria. What's the part that these youths and their mindset play? In the case of meritocracy, what do they have to do and begin to rethink in order not to fall into the trap that's been coming for ages? And then we change the system in Nigeria. What have you to say?
2: I think it's all boils down to systemic change. Everything is systemic. So when we have a functioning system, the real people that are qualified will be in position. And when they are in position, things will start changing. When you talk about ABU, I went to ABU, full disclosure, because um I can imagine what that young girl was talking about. It is true in ABU that things like that do not openly happen, at least when I was there. And uh, most of the lecturers, they know the fact that the school is very, very strict in, in things like that. And every one of us that attended ABU know that you have to read to be able to pass your exam. And there are some few bad apples right there. And some of the lecturers actually were fired They were all fired. There was one that was very, very rude to students and everything and all of that. Before I graduated, that man became a jobless man. So it, it has to do with the institution itself. The high ranking officials need to make it known to the students by providing what they need. I mean, we cannot imagine that some schools are still doing COBOL, go to, like. I mean the system is not working, it's not functioning, so for those people who are not in schools like a b u that may not even have what they really need to learn, then they have nothing to fall back they fall back on the blocking team. That's why we have a whole lot of armed robbers in Nigeria, because some of the students, in order to block the corrupt lecturers, of course, there are so many corrupt lecturers in, in some of all these universities, then they don't have money, then they will have to go into robbery to be able to block the lecturers. And the girls will have to do all kinds of uh, uh, unbelievable things to be able to settle the lecturer. So, It always boils down to this meritocracy and systemic change mindset. You know, this is one core area for this my program to change the mindset of the Nigerian youths because a country without youth that feel that they have a future, that country is done for. Here in the US, you know that we are not, the youth here are not fighting to survive. Um, What do you call it? We are only looking for equality. Mm. What the black and brown youth are talking about is equality. Why the youth in Nigeria are just struggling to even eh, survive. Mm. So the old people in Nigeria do not even regard youths as people they should listen to or talk to. So it has to do with the systemic change. The system needs to change. And the way the system can change is for the youth to change their mindsets. That you don't don't just get rich overnight. You don't need to get 100% overnight while you are in school because speaking about education. You need to read. You need to read to be able to pass your exams. And the schools need to be able to put the right people in position so that when there is a budget that is being awarded for something, that person will use that money to do what it's supposed to do, not by pocketing the money. So we need systemic overhauling. So the part Thank of you. the mission. Yes, sir. Part Sorry to mission, Yes. Sorry.
1: Can I can I just give you something? Yes. yes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, Like you know, I live in the first world, just like you live in the first world. If the light is, the traffic light is red, I've noticed that the children who want to cross from one side of the road to another, they will not cross. They will wait until the light turns green Mm -hmm. before they move. In other words, it has been inculcated into their system right from the time they were babies. Mm -hmm. They told them, taught them the basic principles of how a family, a society should operate. Mm -hmm. And as they grew, it became part and parcel of their system Mm -hmm. to obey those rules. They don't struggle to obey it. So in the case of Nigeria. Tell me what kind of training are they giving to us on a national level? Tell me, everything is rowdy. You get to the bus station, you get to the train station, you get to the air. Everybody's running, helter skelter, no order because we have no... That That spirit of orderliness has not been instilled into us. And I think the best time to begin to do, to do such that is now. It's Let's now. begin to train the younger ones, those who are still babies. Tell them the value, and I think we're talking about family values and all of that. Let the families begin to inculcate the aspect of respecting all values of family and society. And as that goes on, as these children grow, when you now begin to offer them something that's negative, they already know what's right from wrong, so they'll refuse to do the wrong thing. That is why our kids, our children cannot go to university and they end up as God is that if they don't bring their bodies, their dead bodies back home for us to bury, unfortunately. So let's see what we, how we can advise the people at the top to begin the training, even right from kindergarten. If, if I is even too late at kindergarten, begin to train them to respect the core values of society and family. And as said, that's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. From it, let's train them from the youth, and then I'm sorry, from babies, and then from them they grow to become people we can be proud of in our society. So when you tell them to go and kill, they will not. When you tell them to go and adopt somebody and kid them, they won't because they don't understand that principle. It doesn't work. It doesn't set sink in their system, so they won't do it. And then violence will reduce in society.
0: That's my own contribution. Thank you, Pastor Mika. Uh, let me veer off a little bit um, pastor maker i will direct this to you yes sir. uh you um know you were my senior and uh, in secondary school today uh, we are older men yes. so but uh you know like i we grew up in Ibadan. they say you know what that means literally yes. in English? that means uh if the kids are not um are yes. not uh, busy, they get to they get to become uh, whatever they want. They, they are free They're to working. do. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? So now, how I'm trying to you talked about inculcating uh, uh, the kids' mindset before they get to become adults. Mm-hmm. There has to be a partnership. You and I know that the government cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to partner with government and one institution that should be partnering with government that partnered with government when we were young was the church and so what would you say should be the role i remember when we were young we used to be in every occurring in the church as children we used to be in drama clubs in churches we used to be busy And our our mothers took us to church every now and then. And it was a culture that we grew with and the mindset was built. What happened? How did we get here, Pastor Meka? Why is the church no longer partnering to develop the system? What can you advise our church leadership? That they have to play a role. It's a society that we we have to work with the government, not see the government as everything, We have to contribute our bit. So what do you have to tell our church leadership so we can go back to the basis and try to bring back that family value, help the system work with the government to produce people of good natures like we used to have in Nigeria. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Prof. if you go back to the fifties, sixties, and early seventies, mm-hmm. a number of our schools, a number of our schools were started, maintained and run by the missionaries, by the churches. That's why you have churches, at schools like CMS school, Christian Missionary Society schools. So they were institutions that the, The church began and and as a result of that, a number of people got scholarship. They were trained and developed, and then some of them even went abroad and had, you know, better and increased educational attainment here and there. Now, but today, in fact, at a point in time, I think in the 70s and in the 80s, government now took over some of these schools and began to run the schools. And well, some of the some of the the, um, churches still held held on to some of those churches like the Equa and so many and so on and so forth. But so why did things suddenly change? And it's like the church is no longer playing the roles as it should play. I think it's a matter of priority. A number of the churches are more concerned about evangelism, about growing their churches about increasing their their networks and finan- empowering the people to become financially independent and all of that so that attention is not given so much to society not so not given back too much to society in terms of training so i want to believe that from now pastors and ministers and prophets and apostles who run a church and a ministry should because I remember when we were younger, we used to have the children's ministry where they come to teach us maybe once or twice in a week. And but these days you hardly we hear of such things. So I believe the church needs to go back to those things they used to do that used to happen, wherein children were taught Sunday school and many, many, in fact, many churches don't even do Sunday schools these days. Unfortunately, you know, just come sing and then dance and then that's it. So we need to create an atmosphere within our churches to begin to train the children, inculcate into them biblical principles that will help them to attain the life of God. So the church needs to now you know, design programs. Besides partnering with some, um, some, some NGOs, who would, that are trained in taking care of children and helping them to mature and grow educationally? We also need to also, as a church, begin to do such as we have programs, seminars, symposium organized by the churches to train these little ones right from when they are young, so that as they grow, the word of God is already imbibed in them, and they they can become the people we want them to be. Amen. Um, at least
2: based on everything we have been discussing Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to know that growing up as a young girl the family values societal values Mm -hmm. were being imbibed in our growing up Mm -hmm. and it was very very intense and strong communal life Mm -hmm. Was also added. Now it's more of individualistic life, Mm. individualistic uh, personality. Family values are being left behind. And the church, I'm not sure they are playing their roles as it is the way Nigerians believe in. in in prayers, their faiths, the way people of Nigeria look up to God and all of that. I think some of the churches have actually missed their way. By taking the focus, in my view, away from God to their own selves, the way the, 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 uh, the congregations now celebrate the men and the people. in the pupil. the preaching they they preaching the altar. it does not represent how I knew churches when I was growing up that that values that the church we, we preach about so they preach about prosperity almost ninety percent making the youth think that by just doing all those kind of things, then money will start flowing. Because when I was growing up, because of the values that we grew up in in my home, you know that my mother told me that. Anything I want. She told me, I will get it. All you need to know is to pray about it. Praying about it is also putting action in place. So that when the time is right, the Lord will make all things perfect and beautiful. But the way it is in Nigerian churches these days, the thing that they are selling to the youths is that you have to do this before this. So all of that I think is confusing the youths, making them to think they have to do anything possible to be able to be who they want to be. So that kind of thing is kind of confusing and is causing so many chaos. And therefore, my summary is that it's sure they have deviated. They are not doing what they are actually supposed to do to better the society. Because I know even the Nigerian government recognize the churches so if they are being recognized they are to help the system so prayers alone is not enough because lord has the lord has already given us the wisdom knowledge and understanding to put things in perspective as he has created or to, to to stay on this earth to fix things for people so if i i i i, I go to a church and tell a pastor that i'm having issue that he can solve i don't see any reason why he would tell me to go and be praying and fasting some of this issue can be so as minor as maybe maybe you just need ten thousand or naira or twenty thousand naira here they can set up a foundation that will be taking care of all those things so the kind of life they are living are living individualistic star kind of life when they are living a stardom kind of life, you don't even see your pastor So people are left to doing whatever they feel they are doing. Then on Sunday, they want to go to church and be glamorously looking so that they will be celebrated. So we need to really go back to the basis. The church system, because it's being recognized by the government, we need to help the society for all of us to have a better Nigeria. That's what I can say on that. My husband he left because he happened. Okay, so why you wait for him? Can I just
1: add this? Yes. Is it okay, prof, If I go on?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, okay.
1: Thank, thank, you, man. Thank you, man. Just to buttress what you've just said, mm-hmm. if you look at the book, I think somewhere between the Book of Acts and five, sorry four and five, the Bible says that everyone within the church circle, within that community brought whatever they had and they laid it at the feet of the apostle so that everybody's need was met none was poor amongst them none went hungry none went without because the spirit of oneness the spirit of i care for my neighbor i care for everyone around me was Primary in their spirit. It was not about giving an empire to themselves. Some even sold their land and brought the money, brought the proceeds to the apostle. Unfortunately, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira did the same thing, held back some part of it, and then, of course, the judgment of God came upon them. But the Bible says they shared everything in common. So the church should go back to that same lifestyle where it is not about having superstars where it's not about having man worship but about a place where everybody contributing their part and they're doing their roles and helping the society so that no father is worried about whether his child is going to eat or not whether their scoop is going to be paid or not that's society cohesion like you talk that you said, that societal cohesion can begin to happen. And then when somebody sees that the church is taking care of his need, they also want to strive and do something for themselves. The church will support, like you said, gives money to somebody to go and start a trade or go and start something. And at the end of the day, everybody's need is taken care for. So the church of God in Nigeria needs to begin to do this, to help, to cater for the needs of the people of God in the church and in the process. What happens? Everybody now gets involved, people are blessed, and then the church is happy for it, and the nation eventually is happy for it. Thank you, Prof.
2: Thank you so much. While we are waiting for him, because he'll join us soon, and then we are rounding up at 3.30 so that at least you'll be able to do other things. This program was specifically set up so that we can speak to you today. And I also talk about our views on family values, and their yes. societal values, and that will help the youth to be empowered. Then mm-hmm. the security will be impacted some way, how, you know, in a way. Because the youths are the ones that are vibrant in the system. They are the ones who we feel that they have been misled, that the, the system is not caring for them. The leaders mm-hmm. are not doing what they are supposed to do. The youth actually have so much power in their hands, yes. which they don't know, because Master. they say, you only give what you know. If you do mm-hmm. not know anything, then there's no there's nothing you can give. They know how much power is in their hand. That mm-hmm. here the youth can movements. Once they they start demanding something, it works. Mm-hmm. Because my son has a club that is being uh, mm-hmm. uh, adopted in the district where we live. You know, so what they are fighting for is not just for survival. They are fighting for equality. Equality. Mm-hmm. So if the youth of Nigeria can just fight for to be heard. To be heard, to be relevant, because right now they are relegated. If they are not relegated, no one will call area boy, according to one of our uh, mm-hmm. a special guests who's a doctor, that they will call area boy, area, area. Like nobody can call you an area girl or area boy here in the US, because why? The system is secured, the system mm-hmm. is solidified, the system is a working system. So if you mm-hmm. have a working system in Nigeria, the youth now, since we don't have a workable system or a working system, this program is, is, to, is to share those views for the youth to know that they are being empowered. I encourage them or if they are watching, wherever you are watching, know that you have power in your hand. The power mm-hmm. is to come out and vote the right people mm-hmm. into position. You will have to refuse to be an agbero Mm-hmm. Refuse to be an Omonile, mm-hmm. Refuse to be someone who is being condemned, mm-hmm. because you have your voice. Mm-hmm. Speak, and you will be heard by doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. family value is very important. When we were growing up, my father is a. It was a. It was a chief imam, very strict. And um, now I'm really happy the way they brought us up, because none of my brothers smokes none of my brothers drink they don't know any of all those kind of things you know so when we were growing up and we see other people drinking or smoking we think that they are having high life why we were not doing that because we had the value that my father has imbibed in us that none of his children will drink and none of his children will smoke so Mm -hmm. and you don't miss what you don't know so because They never knew that from the beginning, even when they left home, they were the first to travel abroad and all of that. So seeing uh, thousands of millions of drinks and alcohol or whatever, they never drank it because we grew up with that that, uh, family value. Mm -hmm. And growing up also, I think it's missing now in Nigeria. We have communal life. Communal life in the sense that If you are outside of the home, you are even more careful because other people are watching you. If you Mm -hmm. do anything wrong and someone else sees you, you can be sure that they are coming home to report you. Mm -hmm. When a a mother, another mother or another father walks into your home with his hands back and you cite that person that maybe you did something wrong in the past, you know that he's there to report you. Mm -hmm. So we need to go back to that kind of life. Mm -hmm. When we go back to that kind of life, the society will be safe. The children will know that if they do something wrong outside someone is going to see them and that person is coming to report them to their parents and i think mm-hmm. like you said we have to start it from the younger kids now we should not be living as if a, a the world now is a global village what i have in the us here the connection can be made for somebody in my village to be connected to me right now if they want to yeah. watch me but yeah. that communal life should not be removed we need to go back to the basis if we go back to the basis then mm. we, we will not become our brother's keeper because right now selfishness is the order mm. of the day because mm. it is a kind of a individualistic life this mm. is so if another mother see another child being maltreated outside they will mm. behave as if it's nothing that is happening because it's not their child that's kind of a individualistic life so we need to go back to the communal life because mm-hmm. I'm not too old to think that those things are now gone and cannot be restored. As mm-hmm. a scholar, we always believe that there are problems and we always go for the solutions. So, the mm-hmm. solution to start restoring integrity, the solution to start restoring hope, the solution to start restoring uh, peace and harmony, part of it is to imbibe family. Value. We need to now inculcate it into our daily life because here in the U.S., the training that I was given since I was a child is the one that followed me to date that I'm here in my husband's house, and I'm a professor. I I do consultancy. I do a whole lot of things, but that training that I got from my mother is still in me. So I encourage all the women all over the world to go back to the basis and start teaching their children family value.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Prof. Can I just chip in one or two things?
2: Yes,
1: please. I want to strongly emphasize the need for us now to deal with our youth that have kind of missed it by virtue of the ease of the society by virtue of the corruption, disappointment. People are not happy with government, with institutions that run Nigeria. They are not happy. Everybody is disgruntled. Everybody is is in a state in which, um, if it's going to scatter, let it scatter. Mm -hmm. And the youth are in the vanguard of this. So I want to speak to our youth. The first thing I want to say, like I said earlier, you need, to believe in yourself. You need to come to that point where you can say to yourself, even though everything is collapsing around me, I will not be a part of it. I will stand out. I will make a difference. Yes, Mr. Soul, my friend Soul may be involved in courtism, may be involved in arm rubbing, yahoo, yahoo, and whatever it is i am going to be different because i want to leave a legacy for those who will come after me i want my name to be written in gold Mm. and so it starts by you standing out to be different and it comes also from what you just mentioned the environment in which we were brought up the societal norms that guided that molded our character When you talk about sociology, sociology is about man in his society, the impact of society on man. Society speaks of people, speaks of the element of weather and everything, the culture, the language of the people. All of that have a way of impacting our lives. So right from the family, right within the family, we must begin to inculcate these societal values, our culture, our languages. For example, some of us, our children can't speak our languages, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So that we can help, something we cannot help. We can inculcate our culture to them. Those values that our parents give to us, we must be able to pass it on to them to help shape their nature, to help shape the kind of character that they form at the end of the day we must teach them the the act of humility of service to people because this they want to give for themselves I want come myself, myself myself and nobody else no you must inculcate into them the value of giving to other people, of being mm-hmm. humble, addressing the elderly as Sars and man and, 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 and doing the things that you know you will do that will lift up your family. Because I remember back in those days when we go to school, our parents would say to us, remember the son of who you are. Don't go to school and come back and make a mess of everything and destroy our name. We have a name, we have a reputation. So you must inculcate that same idea into them as you go to school, as you go to work, remember the son of who you are. Remember the values that we have trained you with. Remember the things that we are taught you. And in the process, don't go and bring anything that will tarnish the image of the family. Then also, we must, we must institute in them the culture of trustworthiness. Can, I, can you be trusted with power? It starts from now. If somebody has shown that they cannot be trusted, when they become president, <laughs> they're going to mess up the whole thing. So you want begin to inculcate into them the virtue or the values of being trustworthy. And then finally, finally, I want to talk about the family bond. There has to be, you know, when there's a family bond, the father and the mother, and the children are bonded together there's a cohesion of love there's a cohesion of mutual understanding guess what when this man goes out there he will also want to replicate what he has lacked in his family in his, in, in in his nuclear family so when he goes to get married and has some children the same thing will want to be replayed and so we have a society that has been built this one goes out and marries goes and goes to another place and before you know it everybody is behaving right the right the right the attitudes have been displayed and there's a that keeps snowballing and keep increasing until before you know it, the whole country catches the fire of that family cohesion of unity. And when that happens, nobody wants to hurt another person. In family, you're not supposed to hurt yourself. So when you go out there, you won't hurt people, you won't steal from them, you won't take advantage of them, you won't exploit them because you know those are virtues, That uh, those are are those are uh, ways of life that you are never taught you don't you, it's something that that sits with it's not something that sits with you so when you teach and inculcate these values into our children when they grow like the bible says they will not depart from it finally i want to say i want to reach you a scripture in the book of acts chapter 4 verse verse 34 it says neither was there any among them that lacked For as many as we are possessors of land or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. 35, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distributions was made unto every man according as he had need. The church provided the environment of care, provision, and protection from the family, to the church, from the church, to the society may god help us
2: amen. amen thank you so much pastor america everything we discussed here today definitely will be shared all over the world and mm-hmm. i also believe that the youths are watching they may not have joined us through zoom so most mm-hmm. of them we can see that they are they actually watching so mm-hmm. my message to the youth is that hold on to your dream don't give it up and do mm-hmm. not give it in so what I can say to you is that if there's anything you are doing that is not working, change mm. your strategy. Yeah. The answer is, is not to quit. And if anything does not go your way, doesn't, it, doesn't mean that you should quit. Just change your strategy. Because growing up, my mother told me anything I want to be, I will be. Mm. So mm. I am telling you, youth, there is no shortcut. And my mother also told me that there is no shortcut. So everything has to be in perspective. So there's no shortcut to any way out. And I also I advise you that there's no way you will go and become a a strong man or a strong woman. There's consequences to that. If anyone tells you that there's somewhere way you need to go to go and become a strong man, know that there will be a consequence to that. If anyone is telling you that there's somewhere that you need to go to and become a strong woman, there is consequences to that. Mm. So mm. there is no way else than believing in yourself and doing everything that you need to do. Prayers, mm. prayers, prayers. Prayer answer this all? You need to put everything in God's hand. I trust mm. God that when you put that thing in his hand, in his hand at his own time, in his own time, We make everything come to pass more than you expect. So there should not be any shortcut. Youths of Nigeria and youths around the world know who you are, the son or the daughter of who you are. You have to make your parent proud by doing the right thing. So there should not be any shortcut. Start imbibing that culture in your brain because it's what you think that you start to act out. So you have to start telling yourself and reminding yourself that you have a destiny. And I know that when the Lord has made you to see today and tomorrow, that means there's a purpose in your life. That purpose in your life cannot be aborted unless that purpose is fulfilled. So if you have your mind being in line with the lord there is no way you will not achieve your purpose in life you just need to put action to it by doing the right thing even if everything seems wrong you do the right thing Mm. if you do the right thing it will all come to fulfillment in god's own time so we should there's no facts forward in god's own time so i'm encouraging the youth with this program today to hold on to your dream and mm. continue to do the right thing. Even when everything is wrong. Mm. And it will all come to pass.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Emeka. I think at this time, my husband, we have two minutes to round up the program for today. And we'll be having another one next week, uh, Sunday. And I thank you for being our special guest. Pastor Emeka residing in the UK. And he's our pastor and our mentor. And we are very, very pleased to associate with him any day, anytime. Thank you so much, Pastor Emeka, for coming. Can I just
1: say a word of prayer quickly? Is it okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: To close the program. Yes, sir.